Today on the Girl Defined Show, we're talking about sex, purity, and the hot button topic of purity culture. We're diving into our personal journey and what we got right and wrong. What's up, guys? It's Bethany and Kristen, and we are the founders of Girl Defined Ministries. And I was actually chatting with some of you all on my personal Instagram because, believe it or not, we are the founders of Girl Defined, but we're actually just two individual sisters as well. And <laughs> believe regular, it or not, believe it or not, we're just like. We have our normal lives, I guess. <laughs> yes. Two say. normal sisters. Two normal sisters. Regular so, girls. Kristen, you were actually gone out of town. And so I was, you know, I don't know, for some sometimes when you leave town, I'm like, ooh, get inspired <laughs> to like get active on Instagram or Wait, I don't know. What does that mean about me? I, <laughs> I don't like, know. Offended. I feel like when I leave town or when I'm like not working, like off work, then you oh. get inspired, you know, because you feel the way. I like, know oh. why, because you're kind of bored because I'm gone. So you're <laughs> yes. like looking for something to do. You're missing me. To do. <laughs> Anyways, so I was on my personal Instagram at Bethany.Beal and I was chatting with you guys just doing like, there's all these fun things on Instagram, like true or false or ask me anything, you know, like whatever. So I was doing one of those and... And um, somebody said something about, I don't know what, but we got on the topic of purity culture and sex and purity and just everything to do with that. And it was amazing because there was so much interaction over that one Mm -hmm. topic. And so many of you DM'd me and so many of you responded to like my little comment bubble, like define purity culture and there was just so much interaction that I was telling you, Kristen, mm-hmm. like, we should talk about this because this is obviously something yeah. that in the Christian circle, especially, like, girls are wanting to talk about. They want to talk about, okay, what is purity culture? Where did we go wrong? Where are we now? Mm-hmm. And what's a proper biblical view of sex? Yeah. And so we're going to go there. And, you know, we're not perfect. And we have, you know, <laughs> lots of prayers to the Lord to give us the words to speak. But I think this is a unnecessary and needed conversation. It is a needed conversation. And we are, I would say, what they call products of purity culture in the sense that we were raised in the purity culture generation, right? Like, we'll get into a little bit later kind of where purity culture came from, why it came about. But I mean, we were both born in the 80s. That sounds really weird to say. Sounds like it's a long time ago. And then we 87 and 88. So we're like literally like a year, almost like just under two years apart. But we were born, yeah, at a time where our parents were first generation Christians. And so they were coming off of that like hippie, free love, like no boundaries kind of era in like the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And, you know, they were first-generation Christians, and a lot of the purity movement stuff was out there. It was, you know, purity was being taught really strong in churches. And um, our parents, I think, did a really good job in one sense of like, okay, we see biblically that purity is important. They didn't have any sort of discipleship or understanding of God's design for sexuality when they were being raised, right? So they're trying to figure this out for the first time as parents, now raising daughters and sons. And so I know like their hearts were so good in wanting to help help us understand that. And, you know, they taught us like, okay, God designed sex to be, you know, enjoyed in the covenant of marriage. Mm-hmm. And that's why we say sex for marriage. It's not because sex, sex is bad. It's because God has a good context for it and that sort of thing. But yeah, I will say like in my own heart, I am a very black and white person. Mm-hmm. A lot of you may already know that about me. <laughs> and I like to know like, okay, what's right, what's wrong. And just tell me the rules and like, I'll do my best to follow them kind yeah. of thing. Like that's my default. And the problem that I saw in my own heart, you know, with purity culture, my response in it was, I think I I did tend to go very rules-based, which I know a lot of people who are Christians who are listening, right, who lived through that era of, like, purity culture feel that of, like, yeah, I did feel like it was all about the rules. Like, just follow Mm. the rules, check the boxes for purity, and you'll arrive at your altar, and you'll be this godly woman. (laughs) Like, wait, what? And I know in my own heart, that's where I kind of went for a time. And it was like, okay, well, what does God say as a pure woman? Okay, check, check, check. Let me follow the rules. And then somehow that's going to become my righteousness. Totally. Which is, I think, the epitome of, like, self-righteousness and, like, even legalism 
legalism, swinging too far to the other side and missing the heart yeah. of like, why does God call us to do this? Why does he care about purity and holiness? What is this even about? So totally. God has grown me a lot. I'm still growing because again, yeah. my bent is to become rules-based rather than the heart. And so God is continuing to work in my heart and very much a work in progress in this area. Um, but yeah, that's a little bit yeah. about kind of my backstory. And I mean, we're sisters. We grew up in the same home. We're similar, but our kind of like, I guess, core motivations and personalities mm-hmm. are very different. Yeah. Um, I think for me, I didn't realize how much I based like my, um, <laughs> I guess, my view of the gospel and my view yeah. of salvation through the lens of um, what I thought purity was um, until my like early-ish 20s um, when I was in a relationship that wasn't really healthy. And it just kind of opened my eyes that I am not perfect and I am naive and I am able to be in an unhealthy relationship. And I had a very high view of myself before that and thought, oh, I am just, I grew up in a Christian home. I'm this great Christian girl and I would never get into a relationship with a guy that, you know, wasn't totally seeking the Lord or that would Mm -hmm. pressure me to compromise in any way. Like I would see him from a mile away and I would just know and I am just only going to be in the healthiest godly relationships. And after that relationship, I realized like, wow, I am just a sinner like everyone else. And that sounds so prideful to say, but it's true. Like God really humbled me through that experience and showed me like, you know, Bethany, you are, you like, I love you and I died for you, not because you're good and not because you are like a little better than someone else, Mm -hmm. but because you are a sinner and because I knew you would sin like you do every single day. And for me, that just was very eye-opening and kind of changed my perspective of purity and just of mm-hmm. my, I don't know, striving to live for God in general and just showed me like it's not a way to earn salvation or to earn merit before God. It's a desire to honor him and to love yeah. him out of a humble heart. Um, so that's kind of where I am now, but I feel like I am still growing. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm grateful for those experiences and opportunities that God brings into our life to teach us and grow us. And hopefully this conversation will be another one of those. Yeah. So let's talk about the words purity culture for a minute. Like purity culture, purity movement, because when you did your little poll on Instagram, you asked like, hey, define purity culture in your own words. And it was interesting to see, because you shared this with me, the very different answers that people gave to that question, what is purity culture? Yeah. And that's the funny part is we have such hard opinions about yes. things but then you're I'm like looking in my DMs and I'm like some one person is saying one thing the next person is saying the next thing and we all think we're right you know it's like right, ah, right. that's why we need to go to God's word <laughs> okay so I put in my comment box like or in my little poll box define purity culture and these were the responses so this is maybe your response <laughs> I don't know <laughs> one one girl says um, that the person is probably idolizing being a virgin. So the idolization of mm-hmm. virginity. Um, another says to me, purity culture is when churches preach on virginity at the expense of holiness. Um, so that was one. Um, another says, um, let's see, I'm looking through. Okay, you're um, you're basically worthy if you're a virgin. And if mm. you're not, then you are um, not a virgin. Um, yeah, it's too virginity-focused sometimes. Um, someone says purity culture is the toxic idea that virginity is everything. Mm-hmm. Virginity is the best gift you can offer your spouse. I think that's actually um, like a pretty good description in a lot of ways of just the like kind of like the idolization or the upholding of like, okay, the sexual act of virginity. And that is like the most important thing. It is everything about you. That's where your worth and value come from. That's like the height of being a woman. And, you know, that is the ultimate thing you can give your spouse. Um, Another one says people that people saying that sex is bad and not explaining that it's a gift from God. A super, super good way to articulate that. Um, Another one says purity is about making God honoring decisions. Um, And so she's, I guess, defining 
what she thinks purity is. And then I'll read one more. Um, Another one says, it pressures women to stay pure, in quotes. It's literally as simple as that. Mm. So I think in amongst, like, more conservative Christians, there may be one perspective. And then Mm -hmm. maybe amongst just people looking in who are saying, like, I'm not really a part of that, but this is what I think it is. Um, And I think this this specific answer, it pressures women to stay pure. Mm. It's literally as simple as that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's kind of another way to to view it. Like, oh, anything that says you shouldn't have sex before marriage or, you know, even if the Bible says that that that's wrong. You, mm-hmm. you shouldn't say that. That's purity culture. We need to get rid of that. So those are just some of the thoughts. Um, and we're going to dig deep into what we think. But hopefully that gives you kind of a small bit of the platter yes. of what people are thinking. It is like a buffet. Like yeah. so many options. And I know you listening right now probably have your own definition yeah. in your brain. And I know we do too. And our definition has probably changed a little bit over the years. Um, but I think one thing's clear. And this is where we have to approach this topic with so much, I just think, humility and compassion yeah. to say that people have been hurt by yeah. having a wrong understanding of purity, right? Yeah. Because if and it's not, not, not a biblical view, right, like that's it's what I'm not saying. coming from Yeah, scripture. like if it's not a, a biblical understanding of purity, it's not biblical. Yeah. It's not like if the gospel isn't at the heart of our understanding of God's heart for holiness, for, for purity, for his children, what he's called us to walk in. Um, if that's not at the heart of it, yeah. it's not a proper understanding of purity. Totally. And so a wrong understanding of purity lived out puts so much weight and pressure and a burden on us that God did not intend for us to carry. So I think it's so important to recognize that so many have been hurt. And I don't think it's because they've been living out a biblical understanding, but sadly have been living out the opposite. And that is hurtful. And that's in this conversation, we want to debunk what it's not. And then talk about what it is, because when we get back to God's word, we see the beauty of it wrapped in so much mercy and grace and love and God's care for his children. It's the opposite of what so much have experienced. For sure. I agree. You know, and there's so many probably thoughts coming to your mind as you're listening. Um, And, you know, we are, this is, this is a conversation. We are going to have future conversations and discussing different aspects of that in a deeper way. And if you're hungry for more, like right now, definitely go grab a copy of Sex, Purity, and the Longings of a Girl's Heart, which is the book we wrote all on this topic. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, we, we deal with everything from, you know, all, you know, even just what, where did sex come from? When did it come into existence? All the way to, okay, what if you were uh, abused by, sexually abused by someone? We offer Mm -hmm. hope and healing for that as well. So if you want more, we cover all of that in our book. But why why don't we rewind? Because I feel like we need to go back to, um, like, how did the purity movement and all of this come into existence? You know, because, like... Was this was it always this way? Yeah. Um, I feel like you you were explaining it to me. Mm-hmm, and I thought you had mm-hmm. a great explanation. Yeah, I was having a conversation with someone else recently about this. And, you know, first of all, we have to recognize that purity, the word itself, isn't a bad word. Yeah. I think there's a bit of a gag reflex these days because it's been so misunderstood and has brought on a lot of pain because it hasn't been embraced biblically. Yeah. But it's in and of itself, it's not a bad word. It's actually very biblical and it goes back thousands of years before purity culture ever existed, right? <laughs> True. It's not a new thing. It's just been embraced more recently in kind of a different way. And so if you think about it, purity culture came after um, a time in our society, at least here in America, where we had um, the 60s, 70s, 80s. It was like this big movement Mm -hmm. of like no boundaries, hippies, free love, throwing off restraints, like just doing whatever feels good, following our hearts. I mean, that was a big movement. That's the era our parents grew up in. And so in the church, there was a very big reaction to that. So culturally, this was the trend. Young people 
we're into, you know, all of this, the peer pressure, the influences in society were so strong on young people that these movements, which I think were well-intentioned, arose and were established, you know, and we see things like um, that became really popular, the True Love Waits movement, Purity Rings became a big emphasis. Um, There were like promise keepers, like a lot of things, ministries, organizations, movements, conferences. Yeah. Uh, emphasizing purity. And I think their heart was to say, whoa, we're seeing a lot of pressure for young people just to have sex without boundaries, do what feels good, follow your heart. Mm -hmm. We're going to swing to the other side and emphasize purity because that's what we see God calling young people to, all of us to, in fact, that we're going to emphasize this so much that it it almost swung so far the other way where it became so much about purity. And, you know, I I always try to give the benefit of the doubt and think, you know, a lot of these Christian leaners were probably well-intentioned. You know, I can't see all of their hearts. I don't know every single, obviously, like situation that was going on. But I think what happened, like I said, is that it swung so far and a lot of people just walked away with this message of like, put your purity ring on, follow the rules, don't, you know, have sex till you get married and the best gift you could ever give someone is virginity. And they kind of walked away with this very rules-based, follow the rules. Like, this is how I'm going to please the Lord if I just check off these boxes and wear my purity ring. And, you know, we know that we're all sexually broken. Like, we're born sinners. We all have sin issues and struggles and we make choices. And I think what it did is it left a lot of people not able to measure up to Mm. this perfect standard of purity, which is actually all of us. And so now we're left with the weight, the guilt and shame of not walking perfectly pure, but not having that gospel lens of what what is repentance? What is grace and mercy? What is rest? Restoration, what is messing up, and then going back to God and saying, God, forgive me, help me to honor you as I walk forward. I think that piece was missing. And so it just left a lot of people in the wake of this purity culture going, you know, I'm done with that. Like, I don't want anything to do with that. And then, you know, we threw the baby out with the bathwater. For sure. Well, and you know, it's, it's hard because in some ways, like I stand here not with my purity ring anymore, but I had a purity ring and mm-hmm. my husband Dave actually wears it on a, <laughs> like as a necklace, uh, we put it on a chain Aww. and you can actually, um, we've, you know, streamed my wedding live. And if you go to our YouTube channel at, you know, whatever girl to find, you can actually listen. And in the wedding, I share like my heart with why I wore a purity ring and why I was choosing to like give it to my husband. And it was so much more about just like a heart of wanting to trust God with singleness Mm -hmm. and a heart of wanting to um, like surrender that area of my life to him and to be faithful to God and even like faithful to this man that maybe I would meet and one day marry. And so it was so much more than just like, okay, don't have sex. Um, And so I don't, you know, if you're listening and you're like, but I have a purity ring. Or I learned a lot from, you know, like I went to a conference and we talked all about purity and it was really great. That's why we're saying like, we're not swinging one way or the other and saying, okay, we're going to throw everything out because there were good things that came of it. And I actually have fond thoughts and memories of wearing my purity (laughs) ring. But I think that, you know, if the heart and the focus and the why isn't right, then that's where it becomes all about like legalism and um, a wrong version of shame, I guess. Like not a biblical version Mm -hmm. is there a biblical let's let's talk about that because with in the wake of purity culture i think so many of us swung to the other side and said okay throwing the baby out with the bathwater. this is horrible i want nothing to do with this and there became this kind of shame culture where you know the word shame is now very taboo you know when we'll receive comments regularly if we talk about uh, or when we talk about sex or purity longings you know we dig into this obviously regularly on our youtube channel our blog at girl defined and then in our book sex purity and the longings of a girl's heart but we will get dms or emails saying hey you should not even talk about purity 
insecurity because that's shaming me. You know, yeah. if I believe that I can have sex before marriage and I'm just following my heart doing what I think is right for me, you have no right to tell me. Yeah. Um, and so there's this idea that shame, that to tell anyone or to even suggest like biblically. Well, not even to tell, but to share an idea that is to share different a, yeah. from what someone else would mm-hmm. believe. Yeah, exactly. And so if our worldview, speaking as Kristen and Bethany here, is coming, if we're saying we want to go to God's word, say, what does God's word say? Let's get back to God's word. And God's word is calling us to purity, to holiness, which it is. Then to be faithful to the word, we need to have a well-rounded gospel-centered perspective of that. But we're not going to not say that God calls us to um, purity because the Bible does. And so if someone says, you are shaming me by saying I should walk in purity, then we have to say, okay, well, let's talk about shame. What is shame? Because there is a biblical and unbiblical view of shame. And you know, here's a question. When we sin, mm-hmm. should we feel shame? I mean, that's, that's like kind a scary of question. kind of a scary question. Like, <laughs> well, wait, Christ died. Like, here's the deal. In the beginning, Adam and Eve were perfect, right? God created yeah. them perfect in paradise. Everything was perfect. No shame. No shame. No guilt. Perfection. They were so holy and righteous. Like they were, it was awesome. I just, yeah. oh, it's going to be amazing when all things are restored. Quick yeah. revelation plug. But <laughs> what happened? They sinned and the Bible says they were naked and ashamed for the first time. Yeah. They tried to cover themselves. They were ashamed because they had sinned and they knew for the first time we have sinned against yeah. a holy God. They We've realized broken what he's called us to walk in. They realized it. And so Adam and Eve's coverings weren't enough, right? And when Adam and Eve covered their, or actually God, they tried to put fig leaves on, God covered their bodies with he had to actually kill an animal for the first time death entered the scene an animal's blood is shed god uses that skin to cover adam and eve to give them a clothing that shame they felt christ covered but it didn't permanently go away yet right because now sin is in their hearts and that covering by god in genesis was a foreshadow of what christ was going to do for all of humanity thousands of years later so christ came why to cover our Mm. shame he came to cover what adam and eve couldn't have in genesis sin entered the world's broken Christ came to cover our guilt and shame. And so in him, we find that grace, that mercy, that forgiveness. But God's word calls us Mm -hmm. to walk holy and righteously. But we can't. We're, you know, we need God's help. And even that we sin. And when we sin, yes, it is shameful. It's against God's ways. It's against his holiness, his character, his righteousness. But that's why the Bible says Jesus came to die. And when you sin and you feel that shame and that guilt, that should drive you to repentance. And when you come to me with a repentant heart for your sin and you say, God, forgive me, I've sinned against you. What does God promise? The gospel is that he promises to offer us grace, mercy, and forgiveness. Mm -hmm. He covers us with his righteousness. That is at the heart of the gospel. And I just think that's such a beautiful picture of biblical shame um, because it's not a nasty, dirty word, but it's actually a word that reminds us, yes, I need covering. I need a savior. And when I go to him, he offers me mercy and forgiveness. Well, and I think that's why it's so important too for us as individuals, as girls, as women, to be in the word for ourselves. And we emphasize this over Mm -hmm. and over on the podcast here because if you are not in God's word for yourself and someone else tells you like, you know, you need to save sex for marriage and that's the most important thing about you as a woman, if you're not in God's word and they're saying that's what the Bible says mm-hmm. and maybe that was your experience. You grew up in a church where they told you stuff like that um, or that is the most important thing, you know, about, you know, your future or your marriage, whatever it is, you might think, oh, wow, that, okay. And then you, you know, later on you're like, it was, I had these terrible experiences mm-hmm. and I'm I'm trying to recover from that. Um, we need to be women who are in the word looking to God word for ourselves so we can see, okay, what does God actually say about sex? What does he say about holiness and purity and our hearts and humility? What does he have to say about this? And so if you are not 
being a woman who is in the word, um, how are you going to compare what people are saying to what God actually says? And we encourage you, even with our podcast, like go to God's word, yes. um, look in there for yourself. And then if you're like, hey, I am reading something and I feel like I'm understanding something biblically that contradicts what you're saying, like send us an email, mm-hmm. send us a DM and say, hey, here's what God's word says. And I feel like y'all are out of line. Like we want to hear that. Um, but our hearts truly are too go to God's word and build our worldview and our understanding of purity, of longings, of sex, of um, this entire area through a foundation of scripture. Um, But we just want you to know, again, we're not perfect in this area. And we know we're all coming to this, you know, podcast and this sisterhood with a lot of different experiences, a lot of different upbringings, a lot of different feelings right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we just want you to know that we understand that and we're, you know, we um, share these things out of a heart of love and compassion mm-hmm. and a desire for all of us to truly grow in our love for God in a deeper way. Yeah. yeah. Amen to that. Mm-hmm. I love that. Okay. Let's dive in and talk about what, like where purity culture went wrong. Cause I think the title of this is like purity yeah. culture, the good, bad, and the ugly. Is that what it may be? <laughs> Something. <laughs> Something like that. So, you know, we talked about, I think a little bit of the good. We're going to get into that later, but there was, I think a lot of bad yeah. that came about it. So what are some of those wrong unbiblical narratives that we can believe about purity? Yeah, I would say, especially in, I mean, I think we're mostly talking about those who grew up in like a Christian, some form of Christian right. religious upbringing. Um, I think a big one is that basically sex is a bad and scary thing. So it's like, don't talk about sex, you know, don't think about sex. Um, don't you dare have it. Like <laughs> sex is considered a big no-no in kind of like the purity culture. And then it's a hush-hush topic. There isn't really a lot of talk about it. Um, and so it's like, no, um, you should, you know, sex is terrible. But then once you get married, ding, turn the light on. Yes. Sex is great, you know, and you should have a lot of it and, you know, make and your husband yeah. happy. And it's like, so I lived for what, however many years, 20, so many years if you got married in your 20s and I was supposed to be like, no, 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 it's terrible, it's bad. Don't even think about it. Don't talk about it. And then like, all right, celebration. Flip like, the switch. That's talk hard. about a hard way. So I think that if that yeah. is the narrative or the message you grew up with in your version of purity culture, I think that that is, you know, I think it's so wrong. Mm-hmm. And I hope that we never convey that message over no. here at Girl Defined. And that's one of the reasons we wrote Sex, Purity, and Longings of a Girl's Heart to help combat that kind of teaching because you will never read that in God's word, that sex is bad and scary and terrible and no, 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 no. You know, like there's such a beautiful picture of sex in God's word. He created it, but for the right context, which we'll get to. Um, And so I think that we need to reject that. I think that that is for sure a wrong narrative. Sex is not a bad and scary thing. It's Mm -hmm. actually a beautiful thing that God designed. So if that's the narrative you grew up with, we need to we need to debunk that. We need to get to God's word because that is not at all the way that God yeah. <laughs> teaches about it. The Bible is not shy about yeah. sex. That's the thing. And I think so many of you listening who maybe grew up with that message are like, wait, I read my Bible. I see that God's not really that shy about it. You know, I have heard of the book of Song of Solomon and here I am going to church and it's like, shh. Yes. Hush, hush, like, don't say the S word, you know? Well, you're like, wait, but God talks about it. And the Bible talks about it all the time. It just doesn't say, like, and Adam <laughs> had sex with his wife. It's like they, they use the more old-fashioned, like, and Adam knew Eve. But it's like, well, they produced a child, so, you know. Is that um, how you and Dave talk yes, about yes. it? Yes, <laughs> yes. And like, well, we're going to produce a child, husband. Um, no, but, you know, like, the Bible, when you even understand it, it's like, it's not shy at all. No. And so I feel like we as Christian women 
still have a long way to go in this area, but yeah. I'm excited that we're having this conversation because yes. it needs to be talked about. Amen. <laughs> yes. And we are trying to get that. There's There are other amazing ministries doing it as well. And this is one of our passions because yeah. we're all about girl defined, right? Like being girls defined by God and having a biblical understanding of God's design for sex is a huge yeah. part of who we are as women. So core. We are all sexual beings, right? From the beginning, God made us that way. So yeah, we're not shy. And that's why we wrote Sex Purity and the Longings of Our Heart. It was in oh, fact, The Longings of Our Heart. Right, longings <laughs> of a Girl's Heart. The long- we're sharing all of the longings of our heart. <laughs> you know, it's amazing how when you miss one word, how it changes the whole thing. Sex purity and the longings. That's like a weird novel. <laughs> okay. The longings of a girl's heart. Your heart right now. It was the hardest book we've ever written, honestly. Because yeah, it's a sure. hard topic. But um, if you haven't read it again, I just, I cannot. Like this book would have changed my life if I had had it Me too. 10, 15 years ago. It would have changed my life and my understanding. A purity of sex of everything. So, well, and it's a shameless that, plug. Yeah. And I think... um it is a book totally if you're married to or engaged yeah. like get a copy and read mm-hmm. it as fast as possible because i think even if you're married it will drastically change that area of your life and i think your intimacy yeah. within your marriage will grow um, yes. like incredibly and yes. that's what we want for you we're not about women like having these terrible and you know awkward experiences Crusty. it's like <laughs> we want you to you know thrive as a single because you understand god's good design for yeah. your sexuality and if you're married we want you to thrive mm-hmm. in, within the intimate areas of your marriage and to really enjoy that and thrive in that yeah. but i think that can only happen if we have a proper good foundational view yeah. of sex yeah and it's beautiful on both ends of the aisle yeah. right with the right understanding this is also a great resource if you're a mom with daughters, let me just say, or if you are an older girl with younger sisters or younger friends or mentoring younger women, like read it for yourself and then you will love what you're learning and you will be compelled to share it with younger women. I remember when we were talking to that one mom, it was at that conference. (laughs) I'm not sure if she got sex period in the longings of a girl start and she was doing it. She had like two or three daughters Yeah, and they were reading it together and reading because we have discussion questions free. It comes with the book at the end of each chapter. And she was like, you know, like, because we talk about like masturbation, erotica, porn. And she was like, I hadn't talked to my daughters about these things. And it's kind of an awkward topic. But she was saying that she was actually so grateful that Mm. the book was bringing the questions up and that we were actually talking about it because her daughters had a lot to say. And they actually had a lot Mm -hmm. of questions and a lot of stuff to share. Um, And so, you know, we do all the awkward talk for you. You don't have to be like, so what do you think about, you know, masturbation? Do you have struggle? It's like, we bring it up. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Which we should do an episode on that sometime. Yeah. Okay. So another... Let's continue on this idea of like false or like unbiblical narratives surrounding purity that were in some way promoted, whether intentionally or unintentionally, through purity culture. So another one is that your worth is based on your level of pureness. Mm. And I know this is one so many. And I even think I bought into this with my black and white personality. Like, yeah, I need to be pure so that I can be righteous before God, so that I can somehow be worthy. And I need to please him by my works in the sense of like, this is my righteousness. And I think so many of you have felt that too, where where you're like, yeah, my worth is based on how pure I am. And again, we all know in our hearts that we're not perfectly pure. Mm-hmm. I know that. I might in, on the outside be able to put on a show, you know, like when I'm younger thinking, yeah, yeah, I look like this perfectly pure Christian girl. I know my heart. I see my lusts. I see my struggles. I see my sin. I know I'm not perfectly pure. And so if I'm buying into this unbiblical narrative about purity, that my worth is based on my pureness, what is it going to drive me to do? It's going to drive me to do everything I can to try to check every box to be as perfectly pure as I can in my own strength, just pulling my boots up by the straps or however the saying goes, and just trying to make it happen because I think, yes, this is how I'm going to have worth in God's eyes. But that 
perspective cannot be further from the truth, from gospel truth, and it is really so depressing. And it it just fills us with shame without any hope in our sin. And so I think that we have to remember that we don't serve a God where, you know, where his love for us is dependent on our action. So, you know, if we do good, if we act good, if we looked good, you know, if we follow God's rules perfectly, then he loves us. But when we don't, he doesn't love us. I mean, that would be an awful God Mm -hmm. for one, right? Where it's like, do good. He loves you. Do bad. He doesn't. Like that is a terrible relationship. And that's not the message that we see in scripture, right? I mean, we do not see this message. It is a terrible anti-God message. God doesn't have ranking systems. He doesn't decide that certain people, certain categories of people who lived a pure life, you know, okay, I love you more than those other women who've made, um, you know, choices that I say are wrong in scripture. Okay, I don't really love them as much anymore. They're not as worthy in my eyes. I think we need to remember that at the foot of the cross, every single one of us are sinners in need of a savior. We are imperfect women. Yeah. We are not perfectly pure. We are imperfect. We are impure before God. I mean, that's the truth. That is why Jesus came. If we were all able to walk perfectly pure, why would Jesus have come? Yeah. Like we're not able to. Our well, worth isn't found in that. And that's not a sad message. That's actually a message of hope right. because it's coming to grips with reality and being honest about the truth mm-hmm. about ourselves and then um, finding the hope and the yeah. freedom that's found in Christ. So, you know, if there's not a problem, there doesn't need to be a solution. Mm -hmm. but there is a problem. And so when we personally acknowledge that, then that's where true freedom is found, which I love. Yeah. And Romans 5, 8 reminds us of that. It says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Mm. I mean, what a hope-filled message. Our worthiness doesn't have to do with how perfectly pure we live. It's not about that. It's about us recognizing, yes, we're sinners. I'm a sinner. I'm in need of a savior. But God, who is so gracious and merciful, he loved us. He showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so when we place our faith and our trust in Christ as our savior, we receive salvation. We become God's children. And then do we just stop sinning? Mm -hmm. No, we're still walking this journey, but not because we're trying to earn God's love, but because of our love for God, we desire to walk faithfully. Mm. That's the heart saying, God, thank you that you've loved me despite my sinful state. Like what a gracious God you are. Um, I'm not doing these good works in a sense. I'm not following um, what you call me to in scripture to earn your love, but because you loved me in my sin, help me to honor you in the way I live. It's just a totally different message and we can rest assured that God loves us Mm. and that Christ gives us our worthiness. We don't uh, find it within ourselves. That's so good. I feel like we could end there, but we've got more to share because we, we always <laughs> do. Um, I want to share another one, though. I, I think there's another big one um, that's a part of purity culture. And there are more, obviously, um, but I feel like these the, the ones we just shared and then this mm-hmm. one that I want to share are, I guess— pretty common ones that we hear. So another one that I think of um, when it comes to purity culture and kind of unbiblical mindsets that we can have about purity um, is the idea that like purity is only for single people. So basically this idea that like as a single, like I can't wait to get married because then I won't have to worry about purity. All my sexual desires will be completely satisfied. And Mm -hmm. this idea that like I'll no longer struggle with any previous lusts or unfulfilled longings. And so I think the the mindset that purity is only for single people perpetuates that idea that marriage is the answer um, and that even if you've struggled with sin, with lust, that that will all go away once you're married. Like, basically, once you're having sex in marriage, Mm -hmm. then your life is going to become perfect and you kind of transform into a perfect person and you will no longer struggle with any lustful thoughts or anything like that. And I think that that view is so wrong because nowhere in scripture do we see that the, I guess, the 
term purity is just for single people. Yes, the Bible commands us to save sex for marriage, but that doesn't mean that we stop struggling as a sinner Mm -hmm. after we're married. I mean, think of so many marriages where there is adultery committed or, Mm -hmm. you know, pornography is a part of it or, you know, whatever that is that's going on. It's because there's still sin there. And so if we don't have Mm -hmm. um, like our hearts aligned with God saying, God, please let me honor you. I want to honor you in my singleness. And then I want to honor you when or if I get married in my marriage as well. If we think that marriage is the answer, like we're just going to be wrecked. Mm -hmm. We're going to be, it's going to be a disaster because I mean, we're both married now. And I know I didn't transform into like princess perfect over here. You know, it's like, you still need accountability. You still need to grow as a Christian. You still need to strengthen your relationship with God because none of us are above you know, uh, falling into sin or temptation. Yeah. Like we have to be vigilant. We have to be, you know, looking out for the lies of mm-hmm. the enemy. I mean, you just think in scripture, I think of so many of the most amazing people in scripture and how they did, you know, fall into sexual sin and sexual temptation. Um, and so I think that's a, a word of caution to us. Like, hey, none of us are above that. And that's why we need to be rooted in the word. We need to be growing in our relationship with God. Um, and so I think that's a message that we, you know, the the, the idea that purity is only for single people mm-hmm. is something that we really need to get rid of because it's something that we all, yeah. need. we all need to have humble hearts before God seeking to honor him. It doesn't help us on the other side of marriage at all. No. And then it sets up um, like sex and we've talked about this in a blog post, like sex is your reward for purity, Uh right? And that is like, okay, if I just stay pure until I get to the altar, then, you know, my reward for my purity, it's almost like, uh, you know, you put in the time and then you're going to get that reward of sex. Like, it's not a rewards-based system. It's kind of like a... a Coke machine or gumball machine. I don't know what still exists these days, you know, where it's like, okay, yeah. I put my dollar in and I get this reward out. Right. Okay, I put my, you know, saving sex for marriage in and I get this amazing experience mm-hmm. out. And I think that's why you find so many of these Christian girls who grow up and then they go on their honeymoon and they're like, I hated my honeymoon. It was yeah. awful because you, you know, sex is even a journey and it's an, an amazing experience that you learn and grow in with your husband and it's absolutely beautiful, but it's a journey. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, there were physical human beings and yeah. it doesn't always work exactly how you mm-hmm. thought it would in the beginning. And, you know, it can take time and you grow in that journey and you grow in that experience and um, it just becomes more beautiful yeah. with time. Um, and so if you go from thinking like, okay, here's my big reward. Right. Like for some, it it may be like, oh, it's exceeded my expectations and others it may, may leave you feeling really disappointed. And so I think that's why you cannot yeah. go into marriage with yeah. that reward-based idea. Right, because any any selfish heart in marriage, if it's like, oh, now I get my reward, it's all about you, True. right? So you're going into marriage with this really selfish heart. And that also on the, the you know, before you get married, if purity is all about you getting that reward, it's also a really selfish heart. It's all about True. you on both sides of the aisle. And that is not going to produce like a selfless, serving, sacrificial, agape love type of marriage, totally. which is what God calls us to. So that kind of takes us to like, okay, well, what is a biblical perspective of purity? There's, I mean, we barely scratch the surface on the biblical perspectives that we all hear and buy into. Um, but what what does God say? You know, and I think the first place we have to start is that purity isn't so much about us, but about us cultivating a heart to honor God, right? You know, pur- pursuing purity should be out of a heart that desires to say, God, you are holy, you are righteous, you are pure, you are my loving father, and you are calling me as your daughter to walk in a way that mm. reflects you, that reflects your character, that is a testimony to everyone 
everyone around me that I'm a daughter of God. I'm different. I'm changed. I have a savior that I love that I want to honor with my life. You know, God, give me that heart for purity. Um, help me to, to walk in a way that honors what you honor. Yeah. That says what is holy is what you say is holy. That lives in a way um, that reflects that righteousness of Christ. And I know I'm a sinner. I need your help and grace. I'm going to stumble along the way, you know, and I'm going to seek your, your face in humble humility and repent and ask you for forgiveness when I sin. But God, cultivate in me uh, a clean heart. Like David said in the Psalm, yeah. Psalm 51, 10, like create in me a pure heart. Oh God, renew a right spirit within me. Yeah. And I think that's where it has to start, a right spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so much emphasis and has been in purity culture on our actions that the heart has been totally tossed aside. And when we look in God's word, we see verses like Psalm 51, 10, create in me a pure heart, oh God. It's not saying create actions that look pure on the outside, oh God. It's saying, no, God, change my heart. Create a pure heart in me. Renew a right spirit within me. And what is that right spirit? What is that pure heart? It's a heart that says, God, I want to honor you from the inside out. And the more I focus on um, honoring you and seeking your face and glorifying you with my life, not doing it for marriage, not doing it for a husband, um, although we do honor others and our actions, God calls us to that. But if our core longing is to honor our Savior from the inside out, then that's going to come out in a life of holiness and purity in our actions. But it starts in the heart. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's so important that we we start in the heart first. Yeah, totally. You know, um, Dr. Julie Slattery, who runs Authentic Intimacy, which is a great ministry, um, we encourage you to go check that out. She covers a ton of great stuff um, on this topic. But she says this about purity. She says, the fact is that none of us is 100% sexually pure. We have all missed God's plan A of perfection. Our purity, according to scripture, is determined by the blood of Jesus Christ, not by our sexual choices. Mm. There are not some women who need Jesus more than others. <laughs> Amen to Amen. that. And I I need that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, as the Bible says, all of us have sinned and are dirty before God. It is only Jesus's atoning death on the cross that supernaturally presents us as a pure and spotless bride. And so just understanding that and remembering, okay, mm-hmm. that's got to be our starting place. We've got to acknowledge our need for Jesus. We've got to accept his perfect yes. righteousness in our place, <laughs> you know, in our imperfection. And if we don't start there, then we're going to get everything wrong. We have to start with the fact that we need Jesus and mm-hmm. we need his righteousness in place of our imperfection. Um, and so I think if we if we get that wrong, this entire journey and road is just going to be kind of like an uphill yeah. battle. Yeah. And I just want to read a short snippet from a chapter that we have in Sex, Purity, and the Longings of a Girl's Heart, because this is actually a lot of this content is coming from this chapter. Um, Actually, it's called Imperfect Purity. And we say what you just said about understanding that we're sinners in need of a Savior. We're imperfect. We're in need of Christ's help. We say that must be our starting place. We must acknowledge our need for Jesus. We must accept his perfect righteousness in place of our imperfect lives. Once you've accepted that you are imperfect and in need of Christ's perfection, your focus will totally change. Instead of striving to live up to some impossible standard of perfection, you will recognize your need for Jesus. Your entire life is about accepting his grace and walking in that new identity. You are no longer just an imperfect woman. You are an imperfect woman with a perfect savior. He equips you to fight the battle. 
He offers you forgiveness over and over again. He gives you his identity as a daughter of God. Your life's aim is about worshiping God above all else. 1 Peter 1, 15 through 16 says, But just as he who has called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy for I am holy. Sexual purity is not just about saying no sex before marriage. It's about taking every thought captive and living in a way that reflects the perfect holiness of your father. It's ultimately about embracing your identity as a daughter of God and striving in everyday life to become more like him. That's true purity. That's the identity God has called you to walk in. And I just love the way that's written. So concise. Much more than I could even speak right now. And it's so beautiful. It gets to the heart. It shows God's loving care for us to reflect his character. And I just think it's so good for us to get back to this biblical understanding. Um, There's just so much hope in that. And just to encourage you, you know, purity isn't like a destination that we're all going to arrive in like in this life. You know, it's ultimately we accept Christ's righteousness in our place, which will ultimately cover us for eternity and give us that opportunity to have a relationship with God, but ultimately we're being conformed into his image over our lifetimes. Mm. So don't feel discouraged if you're like, I have so far to go, or, you know, it's like God is there to give you grace along the journey. He just wants you to seek his face, to fall on your knees before him, to worship him, to have that heart of humility to say, teach me, God, grow me, you know, created me a pure heart. And that's a journey we're on, the journey you're on, and one we'll be on for the rest of our lives. And, you know, if if you're sitting there or walking or whatever you're doing as you listen to this podcast and you're feeling like, well, I've gone too far or I I feel like I've gone too far or I I have I know God says to save sex for marriage and I've had sex before marriage like I'm feeling so discouraged and I'm feeling so hopeless. I want to encourage you with a verse from 1 John 1:9 which says this and just listen to these words because so often the enemy wants you to believe the opposite of this. But what does this verse say? It says If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Mm. And so often we can feel like our sins are too big for God, that he can't cover them, that he isn't big enough to forgive us that he is, you know, he, he, this is too much for him, but nothing is too big for God. He, Jesus says that if you confess, your sins, not only the little sins or only certain types of sins, all sins, then he is faithful. God is the one that's faithful, not us. He is faithful and just, and he will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's just a beautiful message of hope to remember that, wow, God does offer that forgiveness. We can go to Mm. him with the heart of repentance and humility, confessing our sin and saying, God, I was wrong. I sinned against you, but please forgive me. Clothe me in your righteousness and help me to walk in a way that honors you. And you can kind of draw a line in the sand and mark this day saying, today I am choosing to be a girl who honors God, to be a woman who honors God, who wants to live for him. I accept his forgiveness. I'm not going to let the enemy hold that over me any longer, but I'm going to Mm -hmm. live for his glory and I'm going to seek to obey him through the strength of Christ because that's the only way that it can be done. Amen. Well, girls, we love y'all so much and we're right in this journey with you. You know, battling sexual temptation is something we still battle and you do too, no matter um, how long you've been walking with the Lord. We're all sinners and that that temptation is very real. And so we're on this journey seeking to honor God. Um, we sin and mess up and have to go before the Lord in humble repentance and, um, you know, get back on track. And God's grace and mercy is always so faithful. Um, but we created a resource since this battle is very real. And, you know, the enemy does. He has come to steal, kill and destroy, right? Like he wants to ruin us um, and get us off track and God's word. And there's so much strength in his word. And 
so much hope, but we created a resource for you that we want to give you for free, and it's called Battling Sexual Temptation, a Biblical Toolkit for Christian Girls. So right now, if you're like, yes, I do want to honor God in this area of my life, I have believed unbiblical um, narratives about purity, and I want to get back to this heart of honoring God with the right perspective, um, then that's why we created this resource. It's a short, downloadable, I think you'll find it really helpful, Battling Sexual Temptation, a Biblical Toolkit for Christian Girls. How do you get it? Um, you go to girldefined.com slash battle. That's girldefined.com slash battle. And if you appreciate this resource and this podcast, this conversation, um, other resources that we have, then would you do us a favor and help us spread the message? If that downloadable is going to help you, you know, help us out by leaving a five-star review wherever you're listening to this. It makes a huge difference in helping other women and girls find this podcast. So please do that for us. And then if you're like, well, I can't leave a review on whatever platform I listen on, then share it on your social yeah. media, share it with your friends, um, you know, post it on Instagram or share it on Facebook, wherever you're at, so that other girls can find this and you can help us spread the word and help other women find hope and truth in God's word about purity. Mm-hmm. And until next time, we will see you, but we hope to, you'll tune in again for episode 13, where we are going to have an Ask Kristen and Bethany Anything. Woo! So we're going to start doing these maybe once a quarter, and a bunch of you actually already submitted questions for this podcast over on our Instagram, at Girl Defined. So if you're not following us on Instagram, head over there, because Come that's on. where we're going to do these question boxes in our stories where you can, you know, once a quarter or whatever, we'll post and say, hey, ask us anything. What do you want us to answer on your on our podcast? Um, and so here's what we're going to answer. A few of the questions that you've already asked, we're going to talk about how how do you get over a guy when you really thought he was the one? Mm. Ooh, something many of us have been there before. Mm-hmm. What about how do I deal with mood swings and crazy emotions? Amen. And <laughs> how do you de- how do somebody wants to know how do we deal with the haters? Um, and how can you as well? So you can get all that and more on episode 13, and we will see you next time.